You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 188 of the Pemcron Warhammer Podcast, and we are brought to you today by our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. Oh my god, they're all so hot. You could be hot as well, and all of the ladies and gentlemen would love you if you would go to patreon.com slash pemcron. Hmm. That has the ring of truth to it, doesn't it? Anyway, you know what our other advertiser is? I don't know why I messed that word up, but our other advertiser is GameAt.eu. Is that a surprise? It probably shouldn't be. They've been an advertiser for... Why do I keep messing up the word advertiser? Advertiser for a year and a half. So, get with the program. Anyway, they're really cool people. Pre-painted terrain, SDL files, game mats, you know the whole deal. So, what are we talking about? What's the scuttlebutt? I'll tell ya. We have... An email from Lee, and he says that he's a new person listening to the podcast, and he's got some comments about our quiz the other week, and um, another episode as well. So we listened to Lee for the first time. He's a new person writing in, and we also see if we think the Parasite of Mortrex, the new Tyranid model that is a resurrection of an old character, is that worth buying or is it not worth buying? That is in the want that or want that not segment. Then I dusted off. It's been what five five months since Shorehammer, and now that Shorehammer tickets are on sale, I figured you know what I'll dust off the old conversation we had in 2021 Shorehammer, and it was the roundtable open discussion. It's a big you know group of people uh, this year. I didn't count it. I think we had roughly 20 some people. It's hard to say. Also, at different times, people come and go. So some people came in late, or some people left early, or whatever. So it's so it's vaguely 20-something people. Anyway, we discussed generally 9th edition, how to treat new players, and um, the people's different approaches to the complexity of the new rules, and some things that they would like changed. And it's only about 15 minutes out of the hour and a half of our conversation. I will be breaking it up by topic, basically. And um, that is what this segment is this week. And it's the real talk. It may not be the real talk every ep- episode, but it's the real talk this week. And um, what else? I played a game of Warhammer 40k at the club this week. And remember like a month ago when my friend Kojo came and we played and the score was pretty darn tied, although he was mopping the floor with my models and we said that the score, he ended up winning, but for most of the game we were tied, but the score did not reflect the actual board situation. Well, this is the same case, except the opposite. So we, me and my friend TJ played our friend Ash, who's playing Custodes, TJ was Grey Knights, and I was Gene Steeler Cult, and the score did not reflect what was going on on the battlefield. So Ash beat us like 40-something to, I think we were in the teens. We might have had 20 points, but he he beat us by a, a pretty decent margin. And no, we weren't using all of the secondaries or anything like that. So that's why the points were so low. But Ash soundly beat us points-wise. But what's funny is at the end of the game... He had four models, and we had, like, six models. I mean, it was a bloodbath. We had completely annihilated each other. But the problem was, as you probably know, Gene Stealer Cult is not super durable, so we would be on the objectives and take them from him at the wrong times. 
you know? Like, we would take it at the end of our turn. Well, obviously, we don't score until our next command phase, and then we'd get shot off or killed before our next command phase. And meanwhile, it was the exact opposite for him. He would take it during our turn, however he would do it, and by, like, killing the people that were on it or whatever, and then come his turn, oh, now he's on it. And then we would wipe him off and take it during our turn, and then on his next turn, he wipes us off again. It was... It was very back and forth, but it was a bloodbath, and the score that he beat us by did not reflect how the game was actually going. But, you know, that's that's the fun of the game. I did enjoy myself, and so did TJ, so... Um, Ash probably hated playing us. I'm just kidding. No, Ash is fine. Actually, Ash is a real, real bad cheater. I mean, he cheats all the time, and all I have... I'm just kidding. I know Ash listens to the podcast, and I just wanted to give him a miniature heart attack. No, Ash is great. So is TJ. We have a really good group of people, to be honest with you. Um, Everybody, man, I just, I have to reiterate one more time how much I love going to the gaming club every week. I just absolutely look forward to it every single week. I go there and, you know, I'm not a dad for a couple hours. I'm not a husband for a couple hours. I'm not a manager for a couple hours. I'm just Scott, right? It's like, it's like back when you were single and young and you could hang out with your friends. I go there and I'm just Scott. I'm no no other role that I currently play in my life. And I hang out with a bunch of my friends. We all, you know, tease each other and and just generally get along. Nobody's ever mad. Nobody ever gets, you know, drama or whatever. Um, technically, our group is like the resurrection of an older group that failed because of drama. And it was always drama, drama, drama. It was partially by, because of who was running it just absolutely adored drama and would create it whenever they could. But none of those people are part of our group anymore, so that's good. And we are just just a bunch of people hanging out. It's, it's fantastic. If you can find a friendly group of casual people that everybody gets along and you don't have anybody that's too off-putting or mean or whatever, boy, it's great. It's, it's absolutely refreshing. It's something I look forward to every single week of the year. Anyway, I have went on long enough about that. Um, I think that's about all I have to say. I'm still working on brutality stuff for the new supplements, and we got reviewed by um, Skirmish War Games, or Tabletop Skirmish Games, I think it's called, on YouTube, and that's brought a lot more traffic to the Facebook page and the community. And then we also sponsored some videos on Discourse Miniatures, which she's a really big YouTuber, like really, really big, like you know, 30,000 views or more on her videos. So, um, anyway, so we've had a lot of activity, new people joining Brutality, and that's super, super exciting. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, you know it's the Tesseract mailbox time. And we have an email at pimpcron at gmail.com from Lee. He writes, Mr. Pimpcron... I have never written into your show before. I am somewhat new to listening and have just begun a month or so. I laughed quite hard at your episode about the stupidest question you've ever heard regarding the person who had limited income. Okay, that kind of makes me sound a little bad if you didn't listen to that episode. Basically, the person was saying, I wasn't just making fun of them for limited income, okay? Um, the person said that they, like, had cut hours or some sort of limited, their income was being limited, and... They were wondering, they were asking the community how they could still participate in the hobby once they can't buy anything anymore, which I thought was ridiculous because obviously the hobby is more than just buying stuff, correct? So, uh, 
I could not tell if that person was trolling or maybe they were being serious. Perhaps it was satire. I don't feel like it was satire. It could have been because it's really hard to tell online. Uh, There's so many crazy hot takes online that you never really can tell if the person is being serious or if they're joking. And I ran into that all the time back when I had articles because I did mostly satire. And the whole point of satire is to make it sound serious like you're being serious about it. And a lot of people that didn't know me and didn't know my reputation, they would take it seriously, and then all of my commenters would make fun of them. (laughs) So, (laughs) anyway, I did not get the feeling that it was a satirical post. As for your model identifying quiz, I am happy to say that I got all of them, save for the person on the rock, probably because I'm not a Sigmar player, and that is an obscure army. But I enjoyed it. As your other listener said, I did not find the little girls annoying. Maybe if they were on all the time, it would feel like a children's show and would turn people off. But as you said, a few times per year might be good. Anyway, thanks for a good show and something to listen to at work. Warehouse work is quite boring, and to be honest, we aren't supposed to have earplugs in with music, but I don't operate equipment and don't work near them, so one earplug is not an issue. Lee. Yeah, I would definitely be uh, careful around the equipment there, partner, but as long as you don't work around it, maybe you're stacking boxes or something. Um, But I would hate for my podcast to be the reason why a forklift ran over your foot or something. So uh, please be careful. Actually, we operate some equipment in my regular job. Um, Not heavy machinery like a forklift, but we operate some equipment. And generally, you know, having one earbud in is okay. You know, as long as you can still hear around your surroundings and turn it down low. You can't be putting on your Beats by Dre and just, you know, flood out all of your surrounding noises because that can get dangerous. But Anyway, thank you for writing in, Lee. You guys can reach me at facebook.com slash pimpcron or pimpcron at gmail.com. And uh, let's get on to the next segment. Want that or want that not? Hey, it's want that or want that not. And uh, we're covering the Parasite of Mortex. You know, I did not realize it's the Parasite of Mortex. I always called it the Parasite of Mortex. Well... I'm practically illiterate. The point is, this is an old Legends entry. Actually, I don't even think it was Legends, because I'm not sure it existed in 7th edition. I don't know. But it definitely did in 5th, and I believe 6th edition. Um, or it might have just been 5th edition. Jeez, I, it's the years all run together, right? But basically, it is a... Um, it's a creature. It's basically a char- character, because it's a named creature. And I remember that it would, like, implant rippers, ripper swarms in people, which was pretty cool. It had some sort of, like, implant attack. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. I, I remember liking it. I don't remember everything that it used to do, and I don't know what it does now. But the model itself is very well done. I think that it's actually slightly more realistic in its design than the a lot of the Tyranid stuff. The wings have a lot of, like, stretches and ripples in them, which makes it look really nice. Um, if you look at, like, the old Demon Prince wings, oh, actually, it's the current Demon Prince wings, are just, like, skin between ribs, and that's it. There's no stretches, there's no, like, detail to that. And uh, these are very stretchy, very, have different, like, puckers and stuff in them, and I actually think it looks really good. Um, they're kind of like giant bat wings. He's got the body of like a ravager with the tail and everything, and he's got two big sides, which is pretty cool. His head is, you know, similar to a Tyranid warrior or whatever, but it's narrower and longer, and he's got some really nasty mouth parts. It's all very cool. Then, 
to spice it up even more, that that could have been just fine with the wings and the scything talons and the, the long tail and the weird head. But he's also got these neat looking shoulder pads and he has two tentacles, two tentacles that come out. So essentially he's got four limbs with the two scything talons and the two tentacles. Um, I think they've done a fantastic job with this. And uh, the price point is $38 for this model. Now, this model is a character. So most characters run, what, $35? Well, this is a larger than normal character. So $38, you know what? I'm fine with it. I will probably be buying this, $38. So obviously, it should be apparent to you that this is a want that for me. I definitely like it. And I feel like they're skewing a little bit closer to a realistic design versus a somewhat cartoony design in some of their other stuff. Um, so the the more little veins and ripples and, and skin stretches and all of that, even the scything talons on this look pretty cool. Now, they may not be actual scything talons, but essentially it's that weird zigzag-shaped limb that ends in a point, so it's more or less scything talons. But they look cool. They're not just a blade like the hormigons or term... I mean, the... Uh, yeah, hormigons. They're not just a blade. It's like a fatter section of a blade and then coming out of that is a thinner section and coming out of that is a thinner section. It's a, it's much more, like I said, realistic and natural. It even has spikes on its elbows, which is pretty cool. That's a kind of a new thing. So I think this is a very done, well done model. I really enjoy it. $38 is no big deal um, because you're used to paying that for characters anyway. It comes with a little scenic base, which is also a nice touch. And I like even the back of it. If you turn around the Parasite of Mortrex, it's got carapace up the top, and then it's got a little exposed like spinal area, and then it's got carapace at the back. Um, one thing that's interesting about this is that the you'll notice typically the skin on wings for things in Warhammer is either on the top or the bottom. So either the top has divots where the skin connects to the bone underneath and the bottom shows the bone or vice versa and the bone is like in the skin for this which i actually think is also another neat uh realistic touch for this um so you can actually see the bone and the structure and the whole frame of the wing on the underneath and on the top so i just you know what it's a really good job they've done, keeping with the aesthetic of exactly what we have come to expect for Tyranids, but making it a little more realistic and more interesting, in my personal opinion. So for 38 bucks, count me in. I definitely want the Parasite of Mortrex, and I'm excited to use that again. I used to use it back in 5th edition. I had a proxy that I had made, obviously, because this is the first ever Parasite of Mortrex they've ever made as a model. Previous to that... You old people will remember that you used to have to make a lot of your own models. Things like the Harpy and Tomb Blades and a lot of stuff either didn't come out with a model at all, or you had to wait six months to a year for the actual models to come out after the book came out. So you either had to wait or you had to just make your own. So this was a neat callback to one of their things. And believe it or not... I actually heard someone on Facebook complaining about the Parasite of Mortrex. Like, oh, all they're doing is digging up an old character from an old book. Yeah, people liked that character. I played that character all the time. I thought it was really cool. And I think a lot of people did too. And why would they not actually finally get around to making a model for a pretty neat and interesting character that they never made a model for before? Like, I don't even understand how that's a complaint. Because usually that's what you want them to do is make the models that they used to make, 
You know, if there's one of your favorite characters that's been discontinued, guess what? You're probably hoping that one day they're going to release a new version of it and put it in the book. And when they finally do do it, you've got people like this that are complaining that they are, in fact, resurrecting old characters, which, you know, go figure you can't ever make a gamer happy, I feel. Anyway, let's not end on a sour note. This is a really cool model, and I really enjoy it. 38 bucks, not a problem at all. Go buy it. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. Let's start with complaints. Only complaints about 9th edition. No, I'm kidding. So, does anybody have anything they want to say about 9th edition specifically? Good, bad, ugly, what? I think uh, a lot of people know that I think it's a bit too complex, but it's not a bad edition. I just prefer simplicity. But anybody have any rebuttal to that? No? Okay. Oh no! Hold on, I got another. I gotta go get another cord. You talk. I'll get another cord. So uh, I started playing Warhammer about 20 years ago as third edition, and I stopped playing it probably at the end of seventh. So ninth edition actually got me playing the game again for the first time in several years. But it is, I do miss the old days of. I have a Marine Codex, and you have an Eldar Codex. I miss them being called Eldar, and then that was it. And it wasn't like, I've got 30 stratagems you need to be aware of, and i got 42 CP. Uh, that's, that's a bit hyperbo uh, hyperbole. <laughs> hyperbole. I'm a teacher. <laughs> but it is way more complex than it used to be. I'm a little upset that they took the game I started playing 20 years ago and turned it into a card game. That, that annoys me a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm playing again for the first time, so I, I find it fun. It's simple enough that I can play it and complex enough that I can lose at it. Yeah, I would never deny that there is definitely a uh, a higher level of complexity in ninth edition compared to eighth edition. But you need to consider the perspective of how much eighth edition simplified seventh edition. I wouldn't say ninth edition is any more or less complicated than what we were dealing with seventh edition at the end of it. Um, the things that they have changed for ninth edition, in general, from seventh and even from eighth, um, has made the game feel more like you're 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 playing in you're playing in something more visually interesting, something more kind of narratively inspired. You know, in seventh edition, the the way like it, it's the the biggest changes for me that really matter is the way terrain functions. In seventh edition, everything was. Ruins, which just meant four up invuln save for everything on the table. Eighth edition was terrain doesn't is, exist, and now ninth edition it's it's definitely there's so seventh edition had a very robust um, terrain rules, but it was just it's if it's not ruins it doesn't matter right. So there was definitely a big learning curve learning the ninth edition stuff. Once you learn it, and you're able to like use it in a way that's kind of intuitive, but also you know. You're limited by what terrain you have, but it works really, really well. You can make fun, interactive games, and I'm super down with that. And um, Ultramarines are the best. Okay. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of the new terrain rules at first, but once you get used to them, you're right. It does add a lot of uh, variation in the terrain. I'll disagree with that a little bit. When I have to talk with my opponent for five minutes about what the terrain is, that's too complicated. It's a nice touch. Ninth edition is probably the best edition, but I do miss the fact uh, sometimes knowing what everything's going on in the game because right now a Sisters of Battle player could tell me that if Morganball rose, rose a five plus, 
he can walk over, kick me in the balls, flip the table over, and win the game. And I'll say, cool, makes sense. But still, great addition. <laughs> I've said that before, too, that I, I end up relying on other people, just like goodwill, a lot more often, because I can't keep all the codexes straight either. Um, and back in, me and James, back in 5th, um, 6th, 7th, and even 8th edition, you could get all the codexes on, in your head and go, oh, I know exactly what this does. And now I'm just like, never mind. I, I don't know. So, uh, throwing it out there, perspective of somebody who's only been playing for six months, my first tournament ever, and doing this game is... <laughs> so, yeah, thank you. So, uh, one is that I do not understand why every army doesn't get a codex at the same time. I just don't get it, like as somebody who's, you know, played other games. And two... I really don't understand, like, the armor save. Like, I feel like the, the roll the wound and then the save on the... I, I feel like there's an extra roll in there. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like we could probably cut a whole roll out of the game and still be able to achieve the same thing. Now everybody can yell at me. All right. So, yeah, the idea that you have to roll to hit, roll to wound, and then you have to make an armor save... Um, you know, you, you could explain why, you know, like it makes sense that, you know, you're looking at the, the, the ballistic skill of the shooter and then the ability, can you hurt something based on how nasty it is, you know, and also is the armor they're wearing enough to stop the ballistic power of said weapon. I get it. It's a lot of additional roles that are just like, do I kill the thing or do I not kill the thing? Um, and that's, that's, we buy the ticket, take the ride on that. Um, but yeah, I totally understand how that could be a thing. Uh, one thing with this edition that I completely agree is we are way more in the depth of your biggest responsibility is understanding what your book does, and you have to have a lot of trust in your opponent that they're going to be extremely forthcoming in the capabilities of their army. Otherwise, you're going to end up into that gotcha hammer thing, which is not what we want in a hobby. So you, it is, it, it, we go so much further into that kind of social contract, right? Where you want to have a game where people are able to make their tactical decisions with the most amount of information possible, rather than like guessing and then be like, oh, you've fallen into my trap card. <laughs> I, uh, one of the things I agree with, I, I really like the change this edition to modifying the armor save. Um, I really like the fact that, I, as a Marine player, it does bum me out that I'm not just rolling three up saves all day, every day, because I've been used to that for a long time. But I really like the idea that it's no longer just my bolter is AP4, so guardsmen, nids, nobody gets an armor save against my bolters, you know. And But then you wind up only playing Marines anyway, so it's just how many three up armor saves can you make in a day. So I really like the idea of modifying the armor saves. I really like that in old Warhammer fantasy battles. You know, yeah, second that style back in the day where you're like, I have a chain sword, so the best armor save you can get is a four plus. Um, so I really think that's cool. Going off what you said, I you do have to have way more trust in your opponent now, especially with stratagems. You know, you could tell me, I played this stratagem. That means my Necrons teleport all behind you. I don't I ignore nine inches and I just shoot you Twice. I'd be like, you probably are right. I'm not even going to check. Like, that sounds like something GW would do to sell more models. So, you got it, man. I don't, I'm not even worried about it. So, I do, 
I feel for that. You really do have to have trust in your opponent that they're not going to just screw you over. And I, I think, I think I may have played one game today and one game in the last two years that I got every rule correct and didn't accidentally do something wrong. And that's when you have a game where it pretty much boils down to, oh shit, I'm sorry, I did that wrong. You know, and it happens every single game. There might be just a little too many rules. It might be a little bit too granular, but. At the same time, granular makes it kind of fun. So, well, I just want to piggyback off of uh, my my fellow new wax uh, new person as well. I've only been in the hobby for maybe two or three months. This is my first tournament ever. I've uh, maybe played a total of seven or so games, like to total, period. And and it is it is very confusing. And I, I understand, I understand that there's, there's like knowledge and experience and you gotta understand the other races and things. But as a new person breaking into the hobby, it is very difficult to understand, well there's an armor save, then there's a, there's an invuln save, and this attack ignores invuln, uh, rolls. It, it, it's just... Yes, you, you. But that's my point, it's just very difficult for, for inexperienced people to break in when it's so granular and it, it it needs to be up to the community and the players to help each other out and to help everyone understand the roles, especially me. Kind of what John said, it really depends on not playing gotcha hammer. It depends on your opponent to be like, hey, listen, by the way, I can do this. Do you want to do that? Yeah. Like today I had an awesome opponent, Death Guard player, that every step of the way was like, hey, FYI, here's what happens. You're going to do this. Are you sure you want to do that? And, like, that makes a positive experience for everybody. If you're playing Gotcha Hammer, holy crap, you, you can't be expected to know every codex. That It can lead to feel bads real easy. But otherwise, it's a, an awesome addition. It plays really well. It does. Yeah. Right, of course I have something to say. You twat. Um... <laughs> The the game right now, with the assumption that we're playing at 2K, is absolutely, that is completely prohibitive for a new player. Like, if you come from nothing and expect that the way we play this game is 2,000 points, it's impossible to be a new player. Um, you know, and which is one of the good reasons that we have these smaller format, you know, events that can kind of, like, get people to kind of learn the rules, more bits and chunks. And in general, like we as community members, we need to step outside the 2K bubble and be like, yeah, dude, I'll fucking, you got a guest starter box? I got you, dog. Let's play that. So you got to paint it up, add to that. I got you, man. Like, we need to kind of like really like be those ambassadors for the hobby to really build it up to, to grow it. Because if it is like, you're like, hey, man, I'd I like to play 40K. It's like, well, cool. Here's your 2,000 point list that everyone's using for your faction. In fact, that, are you really married to that faction? Well, you know, you can use a successor. So you can paint them the color that you like, but if you do it this way, it'll be totally fine. And you need to have these units. Don't get burnt out getting those painted. And then good luck. <laughs> it's not ideal. When we have new people in the club show up and they're trying to learn the game, it drives me nuts when people are like, okay, the first four units you want to buy are this. And I'm like, dude, just pick the unit. They ask me and I'm like, what unit do you like? I mean, obviously you need a troop or something, but it's not a big deal. I don't like that the points levels are married to 500, 1,000, 2,000, 
and 3,000. You can't do 1250. You can't do 1500. You can't do 750. Because it gets weird. With command points and all that, it just, it's off. So what John just said is that it's weird that at 1250 we're basically at 12 CP, and that's that's weird. Which so I think while you make a good point, um, so I come from a video game testing background, so game testing is kind of a thing I do, and I think a thing that you need to also always think of is how many permutations of this do you actually want? So I think the idea that you're asking for a 500, 1,000, 2,000 point list kind of build for the game is a three permutations list, right? So they, when they test rules, they test rules within sets of three permutations, right? Within these three sets. The more variability you put in that, the more you offer the idea that these permutations are impossible, right? It's impossible to like, make any level of match play possible when you put in gradients because the system doesn't work off of gradient because then you yourself as a as a player would have to be like well I'm playing this much so I'm going to have to do math to get it how many CP I should have and that's literally the only way in which they could balance that is if you did a math system like okay I'm playing 1250 so since 1250 is this much percentage of this many points I'm going to get this many CP that is the only way in which you could do that 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 would actually work for serious permeability. Like, I understand that there's plenty of ways that you can do it otherwise, but if you get real, that's where you're going to be at. So, uh, I have... I, <laughs> permeability. So, um, coming from... My brother-in-law is around 18, 19, and I'm trying to teach him how to play, and I, I didn't know where to start. And I said, I really didn't know where to start. I was like, holy crap, here, buddy, here's like 10 Marines, and I've got 10 Marines. Let's just shoot some bolters at each other so you can get the mechanics down. And it, it really dawned on me, you know, I took for granted how long I've been playing this game. So when a new edition comes out, I look at the rules and go, okay, that's different, that's the same, that's whatever. I didn't look at it through the eyes of someone who picked it up over COVID, you know, because we were, we were stuck inside. And I'm like, I'm like, holy crap, where do I start teaching my brother-in-law this game? And then what I had to remember was, because I, I fell back into my old tournament style, and I'm, we all here, we just played a tournament. We're semi-competitive or super competitive, depending on who you're playing, what you're playing. I was like, all right, no points, no CP, no nothing. I need you to understand movement, ballistic skill, and weapon skill. And, and, then, and then we had to build from there. And I, what we need to remember with this game is, dude, play whatever you want. You know, like, you don't have to play power level. You don't have to play CP. Just pick some models and throw down. Of course, it won't be balanced if you do that. But, man, if you've been drinking, who cares? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So...